And so I've got a picture up here for you guys. Um, we're going to talk about faith that floats this morning. And, the, and to understand what I mean by faith that floats, I want to show you a picture of something that used to float. Back about 100 years ago, even a little bit more, there's a big ship called the Titanic. Kids, have you ever heard about the Titanic? No. No? Well, good. Let me tell you about it a little bit. Although, if, if you're like my kids, we might have told you last week, you know, we just need reminding sometimes. But so, so this, was this picture was taken, I think, April 2nd, 1912, when the Titanic, this huge ship, was built and it was launched out for its sea trials to make sure it was seaworthy. What's so special about the Titanic? Well, it was only, you know, the biggest ship in the world at that time. It was a huge, huge cruise liner, okay, so our steamship uh, from Britain sailing to New York. And the thing about this boat is it was 882 feet long. How many of you are that tall? 882 feet? Not quite, right? That's really long. It weighed 46,328 tons. Not pounds. Tons. So multiply 2,000 times 46,000, and you'll, you'll know how many pounds that was. It was 92 feet wide at its, at its uh, fullest width, and it was 60 feet tall from the water to the deck as people walked around. Now, modern-day cruise ships are between 900 to 1,100 feet long. Okay, so the Titanic was still pretty big, even compared to modern-day standards. It had one-inch thick steel plates that covered the whole ship, and it had these special state-of-the-art watertight compartments. Because of the steel, because of the watertight compartments, people said, wow, this boat is pretty much unsinkable. There's no way this boat is going to sink. It's like the Goliath of ships. But on its first trip across the ocean, first trip, going from uh, Britain to America, it hit an iceberg, a big iceberg sticking out of the water, and it ripped a big hole in the side of the boat. And guess what? It sank. In three hours, that massive boat went to the bottom of the ocean. What's really sad is that 1,500 people lost their lives that day because they didn't expect this boat to sink. They expected it to stay afloat. And so I got another picture here for you. It's amazing what, in just a couple days, now this isn't an actual picture, because I don't think anyone had cameras out there swimming for their lives, right? But this is a, an artist's picture because it actually broke in half, the boat did. And it lifted up in the water and it sank down. So supposedly this boat was never going to sink, it was only going to float. And I think this is a really good picture for us today as we think about what is faith? What does it mean to be a, a believer and a follower of Jesus Christ? And faith that is going to continue to float on top of the waves and the storms of life, the uncertainties, the doubts, everything that would try to get us to go under. Sadly, there's a lot of people that say they have faith in Jesus Christ. Their faith does not pass the float test. It's not genuine faith in Jesus. But I think there's some really good encouragement today for us to know and be reassured if we have real saving faith. If our faith in Jesus will float and will lead us to eternity in heaven with him. So, we will be in 1 John chapter 3, uh, starting at verse 19, and we'll cross the bridge over to chapter 4, verse 6. We're going to cover 
uh, even a little bit more ground because I think it does all flow together. So let me read that for us, and we'll dive into it. Let me open up my own Bible here since I just told you to, to open it. I'd rather read it from my Bible than my iPad. Here we go. By this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our heart before him. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart, and he knows everything. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him, because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. And this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another. That's important, right, kids? We love one another, just as Jesus commands us. Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God, and God in him. And by this we know that he abides in us by the Spirit whom he has given us. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming, and now is in the world already. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Amen? Amen. They are from the world, therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. And by this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. So going back to verse 19. By this we shall know. What's the this? It's referring backwards to verse 18. Where we're told that we are to love one another. Sincerely, in deed and truth. I think Caleb mentioned that before or during his prayer. Not just love and talk, but love in deed and truth. That's the this. So by our genuine love for one another, we know something. And this morning I'm going to say, what the text is teaching us is that our love for one another grants us confidence, assurance in our relationship with the Father. It's a really good thing. It's a healthy thing. It's a good way to look at our relationship with God, how we love one another, and this passage gives us three confidence boosters for the children of God. Okay? Three confidence boosters. Not that we are confident in ourselves, right? You're going to see in this passage, that'll stay with me the rest of the time. You'll see in this passage that our confidence is actually towards God, and yet, John thinks we need to be reminded of these things to give us that boost. Whether you came in here a little bit down this week, feeling a little inadequate, like your sin is, is hindering your relationship with God, let me give you these three encouragements, these three confidence boosters. First of all, in verses 19-22, we see that we need to be reassured of God's pleasure towards us. Our love, love for one another gives us the boost that we can be reassured of God's pleasure towards us. By this we shall know we are of the truth. It's almost like John's anticipating someone reading this and saying, uh-oh, I don't feel like I did a good job loving my neighbor this past week. Maybe I'm not saved. Maybe I'm not a Christian. Well, the fact that you are convicted about that, showing that your heart genuinely wants to 
love others but struggles to at times. We respond in the flesh at times. We respond selfishly, and, and, and our, our worldview is so narrow, and, and we get so laser-focused on something, and we, we push people aside to get what we want, and, oh, man, why did I do that again? Human beings are fickle people. You guys know what that means, fickle? It means one minute, I'm up here, super happy, doing great. The next minute, whoop, I'm down here. Oh, I'm miserable. I'm in the lowest of lows. I'm having a terrible day. Anyone identify with that? And it can change in just a blink of an eye, in an instant. We're up and we're down. In verse 20, he says, whenever our heart condemns us. That means this happens regularly, doesn't it? John knows it. It happened to him. It happens to the, to the audience he's writing to, the, the believers in the churches, and it happens to us, if we're honest. Whenever our hearts condemn us. Josh, you, how in the world... How in the world have you not lost your salvation yet with all the times you've messed up, right? Our heart condemns us, and we kick ourselves. We're so upset. We're anxious. You know, King David struggled with that. In Psalm 43, the psalmist tells us, uh, or, or says out loud, Why are you cast down, O my soul? Hope in God! <laughs> it's like he's raised up on his tippy toes, and then he's down again. And, uh, and I listened to a, a sermon the other day by a pastor named Robert Smith, and he talks about, he's up, he's up, oh, and he's down again. And now he's up, and he's down again. And the Apostle Paul, in Romans chapter 7, right? Oh, wretched man that I am. I keep doing the things I don't want to do, and the things I want to do, I don't do. This is, this is normal for human followers of Jesus Christ. We all need to be reassured, Okay? God is pleased with his children because of Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter what your emotion is in that moment. It doesn't matter how good you're doing with, with soul winning and sharing the gospel with people. Or, you know, uh, I, I, you know, it's been a while since I served at church. You know, maybe God's not as pleased with me this week. Or, oh, I, 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 I didn't get the main point from Pastor Josh's message. Hey, it happens. There's, there's ups and there's downs. There's good days and there's bad days. But God is greater than my heart. When my heart condemns me, when my heart discourages me, when my heart fails me, God is greater. He is stronger. And guess what? He knows everything. He already knew all the times we were going to fail him before Jesus went to the cross. And he still did. That's the love of our God for us. So here's why this is important. To know that, for one, well, we, we do need reassurance. We do struggle. But why do we need to know that we shouldn't stand condemned before God? We should not feel, oh, I just, I can't approach God today. I'm just, I'm in, I'm in a funk. No, get this. Verse 21. We have confidence towards God if our heart does not condemn us. So that means even in the rough days, remind your heart who holds the keys to your heart. It's not you and me. We turned those keys over to Jesus, at least for, for most of us, a long time ago. Some of us maybe a little bit recently, and some of us maybe we haven't done that yet. We think that we still hold the power over our heart, we hold the keys to our heart. But a follower of Jesus Christ says, Jesus, you're my hope, you're my everything. You take all of me, you have my heart. And when you've done that, then you know we have a Father 
who loves us no matter what. I, uh, I found this, uh, this, this funny picture I thought you guys might identify with when we're talking about faith that floats. Right? The Apostle Paul, he says in 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, Hey, imitate me as I follow Christ. So, you look at the Apostle Paul, and he's like, well, he's not quite Jesus, but Paul was a pretty, pretty impressive Christian, right? I want to be like Paul. But here we are. That's, that's actually an iron, kids. That's not a boat. Can you see that? Yeah. Something you iron clothes with. But here's the deal, guys. Our faith will float. No matter how puny the vessel, no matter how many down days I have, if I am a true child of God, my faith will float me. All the way home. There's no doubt about it. It doesn't matter if you're a little, little, uh, little iron like me. That's all it takes is resting in the promises of God. And when we love one another, verse 22 tells us we can ask God for whatever we want. That doesn't mean you can ask him for you know a million dollars and a closet full of candy, although you could do that. <laughs> what that means is you don't have to be afraid to approach God. If he's your father, you run up to him just like you do your daddy that's in this room or in another room. Or you know, maybe if you didn't have a, a good earthly father example, I'm sure you, there was some male role model in your life that you knew you could call on any time. Someone you can run to. God the Father is always there. And we can be confident to come before him, not because of anything that I've done or that I'm having a good day or a bad day or whatever. I can come because... Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So we come confidently before him. What a confidence booster, all right? So let's get up. Heart, don't get me down today. Get off the floor and get with the program, all right? We're following Jesus. If that wasn't enough, we're given a second confidence booster in verses 23 and 24. And that is that God holds his children firmly by his grace. What is grace? You guys know? undeserved favor. Which is great, because we just talked about that, right? I don't deserve to come into God's presence. Jesus made the way. But guess what? God continues to hold on to his children because he loves us. Because we have his favor. We have his ear. We have his heart. And if you ask millions of people in America, are you a Christian? They will say, yes, I am. And their reasons may be, may be different for that. But here's the thing, guys. Just because someone says they're a Christian does not mean that they are. Right? Maybe you didn't know that. Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 7 that there's a narrow way to eternal life. There's a wide way that the world walks, and that's the way that leads to destruction. But the way to Jesus is a narrow path. Jesus is the only way to heaven says not a lot of people are going to give their lives to me and follow me and, and be willing to die for my name's sake. So just because someone says, yeah, I'm a Christian, but I'm going to keep going the way I've always gone. I'm going to keep living for myself. I'm not going to love others. I'm not going to love God. Jesus says, when they, when they pass from this life to eternity and they stand before me one day, I'm going to say, I don't know who you are. You're not coming into my heavenly home because I don't know you. You haven't called my name yet. And, and one author points out from verse 23, John Stott, he says this is the first time that John brings together faith and love together. 
right? We believe in the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another. Both show us that we are children of God, that He is holding on to us by His grace. Because belief, that's a decisive act. At some point, you must respond to the gospel call, the invitation. Will you repent of your sins and believe in Jesus and follow Him and and he's the Lord of your life now. You follow him wherever you go. You're fully devoted to him. Or do you not? There's no such thing as someone that prays a prayer, says that they're saved, and goes the way of the world and never changes. Because Acts 4.12 tells us, There is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be, be saved. Jesus Christ. So then how do we love one another? It's the same person. Jesus. It's, it's like, uh, you know, we have, we have a family that, that owns their own construction and restoration business here, right? And what if they tell all these potential clients, hey, we are the best at, uh, at doing mitigations and estimates. We've got the tools. We've got the crew. You know, we've got, we've got the time. We're going to do it. And then you find out all they do is quote all these people, all these jobs in this area, and then they never show up again. Or, or maybe they start to dig a trench for a foundation for a house, and, and they never show up. They never build anything else. Would you say that they're good at their job? They actually need to do the job. So what does it say about God when we say, oh yeah, Jesus is enough for a foundation for your faith? But we don't actually expect God to build anything with our life. Like, maybe the Holy Spirit forgot to show up at that house. He's not even in the right zip code. Is God that clumsy of a builder? Is God that out of control that people can determine their own fate for their lives? And I never need to love, I never need to know God in a personal way. I, just, I, you know, I, I kind of called on Him to be my Savior when I was young. No! Faith and love. Faith is the foundation, but we also must have love. The fruit that we're growing up in the faith, that we are abiding in God. And verse 24 tells us, whoever keeps his commandments abides in God. It shows that our permanent address really is the zip code of grace. It's, it's where God is. Heaven is my home. I'm just passing through this world. And God is in me. Right? The Spirit of God comes into every child of God, makes them alive again. We're born again by the Spirit. We are in the family of God. God doesn't bring somebody to life just to leave them on the side of the road. When, when Lazarus was raised from the dead, Jesus said, Lazarus, do what? Come forth. That meant that Lazarus had to listen to the voice of Jesus and step out of that tomb. What would it have been like if Jesus said, Lazarus, rise from the dead, but I want you to stay in that tomb. Okay, I'm going to leave you in that tomb, and we'll leave you wrapped up in those grave clothes. That's not our Jesus. He is for restoring the whole person. Not just saving us from hell and taking us to heaven. He is changing us by his spirit within and I'm so thankful this morning that the Holy Spirit hasn't given up on me. I say, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to post this home on Zillow. I'm, I'm, I'm going to list it. I'm leaving Josh's heart. 
He just had too many bad days. He's not listening to me enough. All right, I'm leaving. He didn't do that. It is impossible for the Holy Spirit to abandon a child of God. Because the Father called them, and the Son saved them, the Holy Spirit is sure going to keep them. He's going to keep them by His grace. So boys and girls, this morning, do you know the free gift? Boys and girls, look at me. Do you know the free gift that God has offered us in Jesus, His Son? It's a free gift to believe in Jesus and to be saved from our sins and to know that you're going to live forever with Him. And the way that we know, oh, I, I am a child of God, is you have a desire to love others, even when they're mean to you, even when they don't treat you right, because that's what Jesus did for us. So my question for you, church, how is God calling you to abide deeper in him this week? If this is true, and we can't fail, because God won't let us fail, he's got to hold on us by his spirit, then, then where do we need to run after him? Is it getting deeper in the Word this week? Just sitting at his feet and being with him. Is it spending time in prayer? Knowing that he is for us, not against us. Knowing that he hears whatever we ask him. Knowing that we're welcome in his presence. And Jesus is interceding for us. He's praying for us. Why don't we boldly ask for all the things that we need and can think of. And that our neighbors would be saved. And that, that our church would be a blessing and would grow. And that... God would meet all of Miss Dina's needs, that he would meet our needs, that he would heal those who are sick. If we really believe that God cares that much for us, instead of just trying harder and doing more, maybe the first thing we need to do when we see a need or, or we have something going on is we drop to our knees and we pray to God. That's the biggest act you can do because God will take it from there. Father, I need you. And that... Is an amazing confidence booster, but we got one more, okay? One, two, now three. Truth reveals, oh, I'm sorry, when we love one another, we see truth revealed in love, and it conquers the lies of the enemy. Verses one through six, okay? Do not believe every spirit. So everyone that launches out from the shoreline and says, yeah, I'm a Christian, and I'm, I got faith, and I'm going to float forever, don't be gullible. You guys know what gullible means? Yeah. Don't believe everything you hear. My boys like to play this prank on me all the, all the time. Like, hey, Dad, let me tell you something. They tell me something. I'm like, oh, wow, that's interesting. They're like, no, I made that up. And they get me every time. I need to see that coming. It's, it's, it, it is kind of funny. Um, but as Christians, we can be gullible sometimes. Because there's a lot of information out in the world. Online, on the radio in the way people talk, in their opinions. And we can hear things all the time. If we're not careful, we just say, oh, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that sounds good. And that's what John's audience was struggling with here. They were seeing some spiritual activity. They were seeing some church activity. They were seeing people who, yeah, we love Jesus, we love Jesus, but Jesus didn't come from God. Jesus was just a man, and the Spirit of God went on him. So we still praise him and everything, but, but we don't worship Jesus. I mean, can you see how that leads people astray? These are the people that you know, that you love. You used to worship with them in the same church, and now they're telling you something different, but they say they still care about Jesus, and 
it's just easy to tune in to the wrong opinions, the wrong teachings. Don't believe just because there's some spiritual activity going on, it's God's activity. Because there's also an enemy. Satan. He's a spiritual being. He's not God. And he is nowhere near God's lead. He was created by God as an angel and, and rebelled against God. But he's still powerful. And he is still trying to disrupt God's working. And the way he does that is to try to get your ear, try to get you tuned away from the truth to what somebody else says. So, John says, don't be gullible. Here's what you can do. Test every spirit. Test everything that you hear that someone claims is true, test it. That means critically examine, okay? Like, a, like someone looking with a magnifying glass, looking at some evidence or looking at a bug, and you're trying to look at all its cool different parts and you know what, what, what makes this up and where did it come from and, and how old is it? That is how we should examine when someone says something about the Bible, or Jesus, or God, or who we are, or what we should be doing. Don't believe it just because the news says it, or because the internet says it, or because your friend says it. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. A false prophet is somebody that says, God has said this, and they say it so confidently that people say, okay, well, yeah, yeah, okay, God must have said that. But what they say is the opposite of what the Bible says. That means they're false. That's why they're called false prophets. Did you guys know that just as Jesus has sent his disciples to be messengers in this world, to proclaim the good news of Jesus to all the earth, Satan also has disciples. Satan also has a message that he's trying to get out through the message of people who don't even know that they're telling falsehoods most times. Some do, some don't. They're just saying what they believe and what they've heard. And they're trying to spread misinformation that goes against God and his gospel. So how do we know who's right? How do we know who's true? Here's how we know. Every spirit that confesses Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. That's it. There's the test. So, every spirit that confesses Jesus Christ, so he's fully man, but he's fully God. He's the Messiah in the flesh. He's come in the flesh, and he's from God. You say, well, yeah, that's pretty basic, Pastor Josh. Like, don't you think we should add a little bit more of how we know who, who a false teacher is? Well, here's what John's getting at. The false teachers in John's day we're trying to sound super spiritual and holy. And by doing that, they said, you know, Jesus wasn't God in the flesh. And also, we can worship God, but we don't have to love one another, practically, in the body, physically, right? This is, this is all spiritual we're talking about. What they're trying to do is put spiritual things on one side and physical things on the other side. That is wrong. That is against God's word. God made us spiritual beings. He also made us physical beings. Jesus was fully man. He's also fully God. You can't separate him into two people or two natures 
Or just say, oh, he was just man and not God, or just God and not man. No, he was both. So let me see if you've heard some things in today's conversations that try to do the same thing, divorcing spiritual and physical. God doesn't really care what I do with my body. It's, it's what's in my heart that matters, right? Isn't that what people say? That's false. Or don't try to legislate morality. You keep your faith over in a corner, and in the real world, we'll, we'll decide things at the grown-up table. Spiritual things don't belong at the physical table. You can't divorce the two. And also, that statement doesn't even make sense. If you ran over someone with your car, should you go to jail? You should. So we do legislate morality, whether you like it or not. Or my rights are the most important thing. No, for all those reasons we mentioned before, and also the Bible. But what about this? We hear this in the church all the time. I love Jesus, but I can't stand the church. Or I've been burned by the church. I've walked away from the church. It's just me and Jesus now. That is a false way of looking at our relationship to God. John says, you have faith in Jesus, you will love one another. And yeah, church people bite. They can be mean. They can say some really unkind things to your family. There'll be hurt feelings, misunderstandings, miscommunications. We're going to have ups and downs in our church life and church history, just like there's ups and downs in our personal life, because we're people. We're not in heaven yet. And yet, if our faith is in Jesus, we can weather those storms. We will not make a shipwreck of our faith. We will continue to love one another because truth and love go hand in hand. It's not either or. It's not spiritual or physical. It's both. And here's the awesome thing. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Right? That's what it says. This is our confidence booster. We're from God. And we've already overcome all of those lies. Is it because I'm a special person? Is it because I've done a lot of good things today that I overcome? No, it's because who's inside of you? The one who's already defeated the world. The spirit of Jesus Christ. Because Christ is in me, I am an overcomer. I've overcome the world. I've overcome the lies. And every time we love one another, we're saying Jesus is better than that lie. Jesus is truer than that falsehood. Speaking the truth in love is a better way than being hypocritical or judging others or, or cutting ourselves off from an opportunity to love others. You let the world be the world. We pray for them. We share the gospel with them. We love them. And you will see some turn from their sin and trust in Christ. There will also be many who reject the gospel. They're going to continue to go the way of the world. Jesus said it's a, it's a narrow path. It's a narrow path. Don't be discouraged by that. It's going to be lonely. It's going to be lonely, right, at times when you walk this path. But we have overcome the world because greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world.
So, if, uh, if I had to add anything to that, um, as far as a church planter goes, and as far as our, our core team goes, maybe this is why God has us together this morning as a core team, it can be really difficult to continue to pursue Christ, devote ourselves to Christ, worship together, and love one another, and, and not see that quick growth that it seems like a lot of other churches and church plants experience. It's like, man, we're doing something wrong. Are we, are we, you know, does our social media game need to step up? Do we need to have somebody on the street corner dancing with a sign? Do we need to throw free gift cards at people as they drive by saying, hey, come on in, and what do we need to do? Remember, we have the truth. We have overcome don't be afraid that there's not that many of us because I would rather be few and faithful than explosive and we've compromised the truth. Growth and numbers is not the measure of a healthy, successful church. It's not. And if, and if it means we have the same number of people on our launch Sunday as opposed to 200 but we've compromised the truth and we're not loving one another, just close that church or stop calling it a church. Just call it what it is, a Sunday morning social hour with some loud music. A church is one that has faith in Jesus Christ alone and loves one another before self. But, but let me encourage you, team, when we do that, when we commit to doing things God's way, I do know that he will grow this church. Because... It's just like that picture of abiding in the vine. When you abide in the vine and you go deep and your roots go deep, inevitably the growth comes. It will come because God will not fail his church. We will abide in him. So, I hope that reassures you, first of all, of God's pleasure towards us as children. Secondly, that he holds his children firmly by his grace. And that truth is revealed in love. And that conquers the lies of the world. So, to apply that, is there anything in your life right now that's keeping you from boldly approaching God the Father with anything? Or, or do you feel confident 75% of the day, 25% of the day, and you're like, I just feel so unworthy to talk to God. Remember, it's not my worthiness. It's Jesus. He's already, he's already won that. He's already paved the way. So confess whatever it is that's holding you back. Doubts, fears, sins, behavior. Maybe it's a broken relationship that's constantly on your mind and, and, it, and it even effect, creeps into your relationship with the Lord. Give it to the Lord. Or go talk to that person and make it right. Don't let that keep you from boldly approaching God's throne. Also, I want to encourage you to be eager to respond in love this week. Don't just hear this message and go out the door unchanged. Think, how can I love another person? In this room? In our home? Uh, what would it look like if I'm out cutting the grass uh, in the yard or working in the yard and, and my neighbor goes by? What does it mean to love my neighbor in this moment? Some of us, we, we've given out some cold bottles of water. It's a simple way to love somebody. Let them know we care. Can I pray for you? It's another way you can love someone. Be eager to respond in love. Showing up at the work day on Saturday. That's another great way. It's not the only way. And maybe God will open up a different door for you to, to serve on Saturday. But be eager to respond in love. 
And uh, let's see, there's two more, right? How can you show you're an overcomer this week? We fight lies with the truth. We test the spirits. But we also love. So when people accuse Christians of not caring about life outside the womb, mm -hmm. not caring about single moms, not caring about the poor, not caring about the homeless, you know how we shut that down? We continue to let our light shine, and we love others. We know those are lies. Mm -hmm. They are. Don't let Satan discourage us, because that's what the world is shouting. That's all they would see anyways. I, I even had some, um, I was listening to podcasts, and, and uh, there's a pro-life speaker, and he said, uh, you know, I've even challenged people on that that said, oh, you don't care about life outside the womb, you know, because you don't do this, this, and this. And he said, okay, right now, I'll go do this, this, and this. Then will you be pro-life? No. <laughs> okay. So all we want to do is throw mud. But mud doesn't stick when you're riding with Jesus. Okay? Ride with Jesus. Let his love and his light shine from you. And then here, fourthly, I want you to look around at these empty seats. And I want you to think of and I want you to, to remember the people who are not here that don't know that they can have full access to God as Father. They don't know and they aren't covered by the blood of Jesus because their hearts are desperately wicked and they're running from him as fast as they can go. So who's going to love them and reach that person and invite them to church or start a Bible study with them or give them a Bible, encourage them to read it, share the gospel. We're not meant to keep this good news to ourselves. Remember that person. Seek them out. And whatever God's doing in your heart this morning, whatever that next step of faith looks like in, in your life, that step of obedience, uh, I want to give us a moment here to talk to the Lord individually. Pastor Dennis is available for counsel. If you need to slip to the back during this closing song and, and, and just talk and pray with someone, or I'm sure it's Chris and Lacey's feeding right now, but but in a little bit she'll be she'll be ready, and after the, the conclusion I'll be available as well. How can we help each other be reassured and confident in our walk with Jesus? Confident that our faith floats because of him. So shouldn't he be the one we go to and ask for help with that? Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, God, this is an encouraging word this morning, but it's also a sobering reminder. That simple, easy faith is enough to save, but it's not enough to help us grow. We are called to love like Christ, to love one another, to live out our faith. And I pray if there's anyone here this morning who's caught in the middle of that, I don't know, what does this mean that the gospel should actually change the way I love others. God, I pray for this person. I pray for the children. I pray for the adults. Whoever needs this reminder, Lord, that Jesus came to change our whole person. He gave us his whole spirit to do that. I pray that we will surrender every part of us, every fearful thought, every sinful habit, and give you victory. Uh, or you have the victory, but, but give that up to you, Lord, and acknowledge that victory. I pray for all of us, Lord, that we would be convicted to love others deeply from a sincere heart. And I pray, God, that you would show us how we can creatively, as a church, do that in our community and for one another. God, I think of this song that we're about to sing as we close. Lord, I come 
Lord, I need you. God, we can't do anything that I just talked about up here apart from you. This is your word. May it take root in our hearts. Would your spirit work in us to make us more like Jesus? And God, would your spirit also grow fruit in this church? Would we see a blessing extend from, from our gatherings out into the community? That we would be the hands of Peter Jesus wherever we go. But Lord, we need you. Don't leave us. And we know that you never will. You'll help us get safely to the other side. And I pray as we float on the ocean of your grace that we will look to rescue as many as we can for your glory and for our good. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.